Happy Friday, everybody. We've made it. We've made it to the end of a drama-filled week here on News Talk 96.5. KPEL 232-1542 is the number, or use the KPEL app chat to send in your thoughts, your comments, your disagreements, your agreements, all of that and more through the KPEL app chat. If you don't have the KPEL app, I highly suggest you go to your app store, whether it's the Google store or your Apple store, download the KPEL News app. You get our news updates. You get to chat with the morning show and the afternoon show. I mean, there's so many great reasons to use the app. So make sure that you download it. Be part of the conversation here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. All right. Let's get right down to it. So the uh, the biggest news of the day, obviously, Jim Jordan loses a third vote in the House. And then there was a secret ballot uh, in the conference meeting that happened at about noon our time. And Jordan lost that vote by way more than he lost in the public House votes. And there's already crosstalk about that. And uh, you know, Matt Gates is coming out saying the swamp stabbed him in the back. Uh, the people that he's accusing of being in the swamp say they felt like when Jordan asked for a secret ballot, it was a setup so they could say the swamp betrayed him. Uh, I don't know who's right and who's wrong in that one, but it was very clear that Jordan did not have a path to the speakership. Although he would have been a great speaker, there was just no path there. And so now it's going to uh, go to... Uh, more, more voting, trying to find the right people. Uh, Mike Johnson has apparently officially thrown his hat into the ring on this one. Mike Johnson, a Louisiana congressman. That would be the one I prefer. Uh, Byron Donalds, I think would be great. Unfortunately, he's with the House Freedom Caucus. Uh, the House Freedom Caucus is just not going to get enough votes. Nobody from the House Freedom Caucus will get enough votes, uh, to become the speaker. Um, the same way uh, Representative Emmers, uh, he is an establishment figure like the like Jim Jordan not being able to pull it off with moderates, get moderate votes, the conservatives won't vote for Emmers. So Emmers is out, Donalds is out. Uh, I think that Johnson probably has the, the best route to the speaker, and he has had a pretty good route to the speaker this whole time. There are a couple reasons for that. He's not part of the House Freedom Caucus. He is a solid conservative, but he's not part of the House Freedom Caucus. Uh, so the that that guilt by association is not there. Um, the left is already going after Mike Johnson. The never Trumpers are already going after Mike Johnson because uh, he is a, quote, election denier. Um, he he was part I mean, he was in the Republican Party, sided with the Republicans during the, the election stuff in 2020. And uh, so the left and the, the never Trumpers don't like uh, Mike Johnson. So that's good enough for me as well. Uh, but Mike Johnson is a solid conservative and he's really what the Democrats, uh, what the Republicans need right now. Uh, they need somebody who is a conservative who can be a leader, but who also knows their stuff. One of the things that Jim Jordan was being hit with, whether it's fair or not, is the fact that he's never put forward or passed meaningful legislation. Jim Jordan, as a, a conservative fighter, has been a guy who objects to a lot and fights a lot of legislation rather than putting stuff forward. Mike Johnson has a history of being involved in legislative discussions and knowing policy pretty well in and out. And he's got a lot of respect from both the moderate and the conservative wings because of that. I've seen a lot of chatter online talking up Mike Johnson. I will tell you, 
I'm a fan. I would love for him to be the speaker. But I was also okay with Scalise. I was also uh, very happy with the idea of a Jim Jordan speakership, but they didn't have pathways there. I'm not sure that Mike Johnson does, especially since like five Republicans have thrown their name into that ring uh, as of right now. But I like his chances better than I think the two others. But we'll see how that goes. The uh, The House is taking uh, a weekend off. They are back at square one officially. There is no nominee. There is no person who is the front runner. There is nobody that looks like they are going to be the next speaker. The House Republicans are basically starting over back where they were in uh, in January of this year. So it's, it's just kind of frustrating in that regard. One of the comments that I've, I've gotten most, and I, I sympathize with the comments, I do, is, well, if the House isn't meeting, they're not doing anything, they can't hurt us. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, the less the Republican is, is working, that's a feature of the system, not a bug. The problem is we're, what, 35 days away from the government having to shut down because there's no money left. And you can say, hey, that's a good thing. No government means no government harming us, no government spending. The problem is, like I've mentioned before, that does cause a certain amount of economic disruption. You have um, a not insignificant number of Americans who are federal employees, and if they're not getting paid, they're not getting checks, that does cause economic disruption. And then you go back, and when the government opens again, uh, they're essentially furloughed, so they get a bunch of back pay. And then a bunch of money flooding in also causes a, a blip in the uh, a, a blip in the spending and in the overall uh, revenue of the country, and, and so it is kind of destabilizing a little bit. But the the not getting paid part is actually more destabilizing. You don't want that, and you also don't want uh, all the drama that comes with it. I'm 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 I am on the record saying several times over the years. You guys can say what you want about the Republicans causing a government shutdown. The government shutdown doesn't actually hurt Republicans electorally all that much. The Democrats like to make it a big deal because the Democrats' God is government, but it really doesn't have that much of an impact. I'm more concerned about the fact that like moderate Republicans were trying to get Jim Jordan to, uh, to bring back SALT deductions, state and local tax deductions, and Jordan was apparently willing to give those up. That's a major part of the Trump tax cuts. Uh, the the New York Republicans wanted salt deductions back on the table, and Jim Jordan was apparently about to give that up. The establishment was going to try to get, undermine one of the, the biggest items in the Trump tax cuts. And salt deductions, I think, are, are pretty important as a, as a discussion piece because what are salt deductions? State and local tax deductions are just the way Democrats get around being so tax-heavy when it comes to how they run cities and states. Assault deduction is just the government, the federal government giving you money back for what the state and local governments took from you. Robbing Peter to pay Paul, essentially. Rather than hold Democrats accountable for overtaxing their citizens, they just do a giveaway from the federal government. Everything's all fine and dandy. That's not how it works. That's not, that should not be how it works. And so the establishment trying to pull that out of Jordan for his nomination and Jordan apparently being willing to do it in order to get the speakership, I think is a deeper, deeper problem. And I have no reservations about the idea that that salt deductions will be back on the table sooner rather than later, because back in 2022, when Republicans did so poorly in a wave they were supposed to have, 
they got their majority on the back of California, New York. And California, New York Republicans come from states where their constituents want SALT deductions back on the table. I don't blame them for doing it, but the the moderates who want to use that as a means to uh, be fine with more government spending because there's you know more tax and all and you know all these all these taxes and everything. I don't like it. I don't like that level of negotiation. We, we shouldn't be giving away policy things in order to find a leader so that the house can get back to business. Shouldn't be how it gets done, but that is how it gets done. Unfortunately, it's just frustrating. I hate it. So that is the state of play on the speaker's race. As of right now, what we have in the speaker's race is a group of Republicans who are throwing their hat into the ring. I think Mike Johnson is the best bet. I like Byron Donalds. He's a member of the House Freedom Caucus. I don't think he gets there. Representative Emmers, I don't think the conservatives will vote for him, just like the moderates won't vote for Donalds. Uh, I don't see a path for, for most of the people who have thrown their hat into the ring. Uh, so I, I want to, I really do want to say that I think Mike Johnson has the best shot. There were rumors that he had the best shot back when Scalise and Jordan were running, but Johnson and Scalise are from the same state. Uh, Johnson and Jordan are friends. He backed both men. He backed Scalise first when Scalise lost, he backed Jordan. And uh, I think what's interesting in all this is that you had Scalise as like the number two guy in the house. You've got Mike Johnson, who's a serious contender for speaker, Louisiana doesn't contribute all that much in terms of numbers to Congress, and yet we keep finding ourselves in a position of power in Congress. I think somebody really needs to look at that and figure out how we're pulling that one off. All right, let's take a break. 232-1542 is the number. Sending a message on the KPL app chat is also a good way to be part of the conversation. Let's take this break, be back with more. But before we go, we do have our pest of the day. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, are y'all ready? I'm going to do something I don't normally like to do, and that is play audio of Kamala Harris. But this may just be, ladies and gentlemen, the, the cringiest Kamala Harris clip yet. So let us today celebrate America's diversity and our collective commitment to inclusion and the importance of equity. Yes, I just did do DEI. <laughs> okay, before I get into why that's, aside from the laugh, that's so cringy. DEI. <laughs> That would make a really good like sound effect for like a cackling witch on Halloween. Anyway, um, if you'll note, she says, yes, I did just do DEI, except she said diversity, inclusion, and equity in her little speech there. She did D-I-E. Die. She spelled out die. I wonder, this is just me, I wonder if that was subliminal messaging to Joe Biden. I don't know if you guys watched the speech last night, but he looks like he's got a foot in the grave as it is. He he looks, he seriously looked like he aged this term from like 80 to 106. He does not look very good. The speech did not sound great. He said some all right things, but he just doesn't look good. Anyway, we'll have more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. After we take this break, your commodities report and commercial break coming up next here on News Talk 96.5. <laughs> 
96.5 KPEL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. You can also uh, use the app chat. A couple folks have checked in. Scott checking in on the app uh the message is just, she, uh, she is such a twit. I assume that you're talking about Kamala Harris. Again, I apologize for playing the audio, but I needed to make the point. Bonnie in Lafayette. Heard from very reliable sources there had been a rift between Scalise and McCarthy long before McCarthy was elected speaker. Wonder if you think McCarthy is working against Scalise for speaker. It's too bad because Louisiana would certainly benefit if Scalise were speaker. So, yeah, that actually, uh, that riff. Uh, there was a little bit before Speaker, but it was during the Speaker's race when McCarthy was running that the rift widened. Basically, what happened is there were some folks that did not like Kevin McCarthy. So let me give you a little bit of background on Kevin McCarthy and his uh, desire to be Speaker. If you will recall, when John Boehner decided to step down from leadership and retire from Congress, there was a uh, a mad frenzy while the Republicans were in the majority to get a new speaker ASAP. And so Kevin McCarthy had been trying to get there. And there were a lot of folks who were very hesitant on Kevin McCarthy. They saw him as being more ambitious than, uh, than conservative or even Republican. They were very worried. And then all of a sudden, Kevin McCarthy dropped his bid for speaker. And so a bunch of folks went to Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan didn't want to be speaker. He wanted to be head of the Ways and Means Committee. He is a nerd. He is an absolute tax reform nerd. That's all he wanted to do and be on House and Ways and Means to do it. And he finally acquiesced. He became the speaker for a very brief time before leaving Congress and is living, I assume, a much happier life. I know folks aren't as much a fan of Paul Ryan. I don't really have that many problems with Paul Ryan, again, because uh, he was kind of thrust into a role he didn't want to be in. And so he just kind of defaulted to, I guess, uh, some of the other leadership styles. The thing about Kevin McCarthy is the reason why he ultimately dropped that bid. See, there was a congresswoman at the time named Renee Elmers, and one of the open secrets of Washington, D.C., was this allegation that he and Elmers were having an affair. And some folks went to McCarthy and said, hey, look, this is going to come out if you run for speaker. And magically, it didn't happen. He dropped out. Renee Elmers got uh, booted out of her seat. She tried to run again for Congress in the midterms and lost. Uh, but McCarthy sat and bided his time. The Republicans eventually fell out of the majority in Congress he, uh, when Paul Ryan stepped down, he became the minority leader in the House and was waiting to become Speaker once the Republicans gained the majority. Well, when he was running to become Speaker after Republicans gained the majority in 2022, there were a lot of folks who remembered the Renee Elmers thing. They remembered the fact that McCarthy is more of a fence sitter and he makes sure to stick his finger in the air to see which way the wind is blowing before taking a position. And they weren't comfortable with him. But the moderates, even even the moderates and the establishment folks who were kind of uncomfortable with McCarthy, wanted one of their own in there. And that person was going to be Steve Scalise. Now, Scalise does not have a whole lot of love from the conservatives who have been around for a decade or more. The reason for that is, as I mentioned uh, 
earlier this week, Scalise was uh, the head of the Republican Study Committee. And at the time, it was the most conservative. It was the group for conservatives in the House. And Scalise, uh, at the behest of Republican leadership, took over uh, and Jim Jordan was actually screwed out of being the head of the RSC because of the moves by John Boehner and Steve Scalise. Uh, Jim Jordan had been tapped by the outgoing leader of the RSC to be its next chairman, and Scalise ended up getting it instead because of some maneuverings and some taking advantage of the rules and things like that. A lot of conservatives bore that grudge against Scalise, but they still liked him more than they liked McCarthy. So a lot of them were kind of hoping that he would run for speaker and they could vote for him instead of McCarthy. Well, he didn't do that. But McCarthy saw him as a threat. So since McCarthy became the speaker, and Bonnie, this is where your comment comes in, he's been distancing himself from Scalise. And in fact, the most notable evidence of this was the fact that when Kevin McCarthy started picking the government funding fight, the budget fight, all this stuff, the spending plans and everything, uh, those fights with the Biden administration, and he forced Joe Biden to come to the table and negotiate, he put in charge of the negotiations, not Steve Scalise, but another Louisiana congressman, Garrett Graves. And what you may recall is that the deal that was struck between House leadership and Joe Biden was significantly weaker than what Kevin McCarthy told us it was going to be and what the Republicans had actually voted on. And that was crafted in large part by Garrett Graves, who now had a taste for leadership and wanted more. And so he was getting closer to McCarthy. Well, fast forward to everything that happened with the continuing resolution and Kevin McCarthy gets ousted and Steve Scalise is kind of the guy. Well, Garrett Graves, every other Louisiana congressman that's a Republican was endorsing Scalise, was pushing for Scalise. It would be great for Louisiana to have a speaker, except for Garrett Graves. Garrett Graves was silent. And then when it came down to Scalise and Jordan, there was some conference meetings, and as Republicans were coming out of those private conference meetings, a lot of reporters noted that Graves looked really upset, which led us to believe that Scalise was going to get the Republican nomination, and he did. Graves wants to be in power Scalise had more power than Graves. Graves wanted it. Kevin McCarthy, I think, was leaning toward Graves by that point and away from Scalise because he saw Scalise as a threat to his own power. So a lot of House of Cards type stuff going on in the background there. Well, fast forward to now, neither McCarthy nor Scalise nor Graves are really involved in all this, but another Louisiana congressman, Mike Johnson, appears to be one of the guys that a lot of folks are talking up as a potential speaker for Republicans. And it would be great because that means that I'll have had the eventual House speaker on my show a couple of times and we will continue to have that relationship with his office because Mike Johnson is a great guy who can do great things uh, for, for the country as speaker. Um, I thoroughly endorse a Mike Johnson speakership way more than some of the others.
Now, I need to get into some other news because there is some other news that's out there. While all this is going on, you know, the House can't pass legislation, but the committees can keep doing work. And the House Oversight Committee dropped a bit of a bombshell today. They have a photocopy of a personal check that was written to President Joe Biden, then Vice President Joe Biden, for $200,000 from his brother, James Biden. The $200,000 came after what the National Review calls a, or what actually James Comer calls a shady loan in the same amount from James Biden's healthcare company. The now bankrupt healthcare business AmeriCorps sent James Biden a wire loan on March 1st, 2018, the same day he paid back his influential brother, according to bank records. This is the first hard evidence. David Zimmerman at the National Review notes, linking Joe Biden to influence peddling schemes. In 2018 alone, uh, AmeriCorps wired 600000 in loans to James Biden. The president's brother received these loans on the assumption that the Biden name could, quote, open doors, according to Comer, and that he could obtain a large investment from the Middle East based on his political connections. Not a smoking gun, but getting a lot closer to finding the source of the fire. It's the metaphor I've used this whole time. The more that gets investigated, the more smoke they find. Eventually, they will find the source of it. They will find the fire, and they will have something on Joe Biden. Will it be enough to impeach him fully, get him out of the office? I still don't know. It's clear there's a there there, but they haven't quite found it yet because they can't prove that a $200,000 check from James Biden to Joe Biden is part of that, although it's pretty interesting that it came right after AmeriCorps gave $200,000 in a loan to James Biden. That's pretty fishy. That is big news coming out of Washington, D.C. on all that. All right, 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message to the KPEL app chat. We're going to take a break. We will wrap up the show shortly here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Stick around. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation. Now let's not get distracted, folks. Because while we're paying attention to all this other stuff going on, there is some big news out there that we do need to be aware of paying attention to the speaker fight. You're paying attention to uh, Israel and Hamas. You're paying attention to Joe Biden's speech. You're paying attention to Ukraine. You're missing the important thing. The Pentagon's all-domain anomaly resolution office, which investigates the sightings of unidentified flying objects, received 247 reports from August 31st, 2022 to April 30th, 2023, and another 17 from previous periods for 291 sightings in this report for a total of 801 sightings for this overall investigation. We're getting more information on UFOs. And at this point, I legitimately do not know if the UFOs are meant to distract us from this other stuff going on or if the other stuff going on is meant to distract us from the UFOs. 
Documents such as this report tend to be boring, but there's some fascinating stuff as well, though it arises mostly by implication. The report refers to certain concerning performance characteristics of UAP, uh, unidentified air phenomena, and and identifies unusual maneuverability as one such characteristic, but it assures that only a very small percentage of UAP reports display interesting signatures, such as high-speed travel and unknown morphologies, and that none have yet threatened any aircraft. That almost reads like downplaying of a fascinating fact. Some do display those interesting signatures. Y'all. Y'all, we're being distracted, I think. You know, I I wrote the story uh, two days ago about... uh, Somebody put footage up of a UFO, but it turns out to have been a, just a giant balloon that's flying over Columbia. Um, and when I put that story up on our Facebook page, KPL News, you go find it on Facebook. Somebody said, I'm pretty sure the aliens are driving by Earth. They're rolling their windows up. <laughs> Which, yeah, if the aliens were driving by Earth right now and they saw everything going on, yeah, they would decide to just keep on going. You know, there's a really fascinating genre of short fiction out there on the internet, and it's all about what happens when humans discover other life, and that you know, humans achieve space travel, they meet other life, and it's always on the fact that humans are either extremely brutal, or humans are so innovative they defy all the conventions of these higher ordered aliens. And it's always about what chaos humans can wreck across the universe, which I think is a fascinating concept. I mean, look at what we've done in Congress, and that should just tell you that we know chaos pretty well. Anyway, you guys have a great weekend. Happy homecoming to the Cajuns. Need a solid win there. Cajuns need the solid win. Celebrate homecoming right. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go watch the game. I'm going to watch college football all day tomorrow. I'm not doing a damn thing else. But in the meantime, you could reach out to me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, email Joe at RedState.com. The podcast version of today's show is going to be up very, very shortly. You can take part in that. Keep it tuned right here because it's Friday Night Football. Tarling's coming up as well. Don't want to miss that game either. I'll talk to you guys again soon here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.